Hey guys, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. In this podcast, we will address mindsets, mental constructs, paradigms, belief systems, everything and anything that's holding you back from getting to that point in your life, to reaching your fullest potential. If you are a subscriber, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for giving me your time and uh, and listening to to each and every one of these episodes in an effort to listen, to learn, and to grow. If you are new to this podcast, I want to welcome you. I hope that you get so much more than you expect. <laughs> Unless you have been living in a cave somewhere up in the mountains as a hermit, <laughs> you've heard the news. You've heard the news about the slap that was heard around the world in less than five seconds, thanks to social media and the news outlets. Yes, yes, I am talking about Will Smith and Chris Rock. And you're probably probably tired of hearing this story over and over and over again. But I will say that I was quite surprised by the different reactions that I saw in uh, people near to me and, and those not so near. Uh, perhaps on social media, everyone had their opinion. Some people were praising Will Smith for defending his wife's honor after what they deemed to be an insult to her integrity, while others were praising Chris Rock for not having retaliated after Will Smith uh, slapped him with such aggression. And so the truth of the matter is that Chris Rock was there to do what he was being paid to do, and that was roast people, make people laugh. And this wasn't the first time he, uh, he picked on Will Smith and, of course, other people. This is what he's paid to do. And if you're sitting in the front row of the Oscars, you know that you're going to be subject to such jokes. Now, once again, I'm not validating anyone's behavior. I am not uh, on anyone's side. All I can say is that what I'm, what I'm trying to do today in this episode is to break down Will Smith's psychology and perhaps establish a theory of why he did what he did, why he reacted the way that he did without any restraints. Uh, it was almost as if he was blinded by the emotions. And so uh, I was saddened to see Chris Rock's emotion after the fact, as you probably noticed if you watched it, he was completely taken aback. Um, he didn't know what to say. And there was a moment, uh, I, I'm really big on observing. If you know me, I'm an observer of human behavior. I'm always, always watching facial gestures, micro expressions, body language. More than listening to words, I'm just watching and observing. Because 75 to 80% of your communication, this is important that you listen to this, this is powerful stuff. 75 to 80, 85% of your communication is not, is actually, is not even related to your words or your ideas. It has all to do with your body language. Before you even speak a word, most people already know where you're coming from simply by your body language. If you noticed when uh, Chris Rock was up on the stage and he cracked the joke about Jada Smith and right after that Will Smith approaches him, you know that he knows that this is no joke. He knows what's about to happen. And he gets into this very odd position I'm speaking of Chris Rock. 
it's almost like a little boy. He, he, he minimized himself and the way that he positioned himself was almost like a little boy who's been picked on, you know, by his parents over and over and already knows that a slap or, or, or a spanking is coming. I don't know what was going on in his mind at that point in time, but perhaps he was having some kind of a flashback. He knew he was about to get, he knew he was going to get hit. Uh, He didn't know where it was coming from or how it was going to happen, but he knew something was going to happen. In fact, uh, if you noticed uh, also Will Smith, it's really interesting because while Chris Rock was cracking the joke, he was sitting next to Jada Smith laughing at Chris Rock's joke about G.I. Jane. Now, if you don't know this, uh, you know, she suffers from a disease of the autoimmune system called alopecia. And alopecia, what it does is it, uh, it causes hair loss. And, uh, and people eventually with alopecia, they end up losing all of their hair, eyebrows, eyelashes, and so on and so forth. And so uh, she has uh, very, I mean, she has hardly any hair. And so uh, apparently Chris Rock didn't know about this. And so he cracked a joke about her hair and called her G.I. Jane. Once again, I want to highlight the fact that Will Smith was laughing with the rest of the crowd as Chris Rock was cracking his jokes about uh, Jada Smith and calling her G.I. Jane. But it wasn't until... It wasn't until Will, Will Smith turned and, and out of the corner of his eye, he noticed something and he, he made complete eye contact with his wife. He noticed disgust. He noticed she was upset. She was angry over the comment and that shifted his emotions. He went from zero to a hundred in a hundredth of a second. It was quick. It was like he snapped. Now, if you didn't watch it on TV, let me play the audio for you just as a, uh, a reminder to some of you and, and for some others, it's, this might be completely new. Now, just, uh, just a little word of caution. I'm about to play the uncensored, let me say it again, uncensored version of the, uh, the event. And so if you have children with you, you might want to skip through this recording or turn the uh, episode off and listen to it later. But be, be aware that this is the uncensored version. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> <laughs> That was a nice one, okay. I'm out here, Uh uh-oh, Richard. (laughs) Oh, wow, wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. You got my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, okay. That was a uh, greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Okay. This was by far one of the most awkward moments ever on TV. This is a moment that will go on into infamy. From this point on, it's going to be hard to remember Will Smith by any of his movies other than this very famous slap that was heard around the world. This is what people will take with them the rest of their lives. It left an imprint because it was a very gross situation. It was disgusting to say the least. 
And some of you may be thinking, you know, and some of some people were thinking at the time, well, he was defending his wife's honor. He was, uh, he was standing up for her. But in all reality, he wasn't at the beginning. At the beginning, as I mentioned, and I want to reiterate this, he was having fun with the jokes. Why? Because he's used to it. He and Chris Rock starred in a movie together. They were considered friends. They spent time together. Uh, Will Smith and Jada Smith had been subject to his jokes and, and roasting before. This wasn't new. But what happened was, whatever was going on in Will Smith's mind the moment that he made eye contact with her, I believe were like flashbacks of somebody who was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. I believe something clicked, something shifted. There was a switch that was turned on and therefore he reacted the way that he did. I mean, just go back and listen to him shouting, screaming from his seat all the way up to the stage. Just listen to him. He sounded deranged, mad, beyond upset, beyond angry. And so the question is, what set him off? It was so out of the ordinary. It was, it was so unreal that people started to, to think that this was all staged and that this was a way to create uh, a greater audience for the Oscars because their audience was slowly declining. A lot of people thought that this was another stunt by Hollywood. And the truth of the matter was that everyone heard the slap. It was loud and it was clear. And the emotions that we saw in Chris Rock's body language were so authentic and were so, were so painful to watch that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was legitimate. It was genuine. It was real. It truly happened. You know, personally, personally, when I watched this whole scenario take place, it, uh, I was startled. I was, uh, I was baffled by what I was seeing. And it took me, it took me uh, some time to digest what I had uh, experienced, what I had witnessed. And I just came to a conclusion. I felt pity for the man. Yes, for Will Smith. I felt pity because what I saw was a hurt man. I saw someone who was broken. You know, there are many times when I have told people, especially in marriage therapy, I have told them that, that the husband should see in the wife a little girl that's inside the heart a little girl who's hurting in a corner, who's crying. Because every time that there's an issue within the home, she reverts to that little girl that uh, was, was abused while growing up. And then I'll tell the woman to realize that inside the heart of the man is a little boy who is in fetal position, perhaps hiding inside of a closet because of the dysfunction that's going on within the home. And that's exactly what I saw. I saw in him a little boy that was hurt, that had no control over his emotions and was trying to externalize the hurt and the pain. He was trying to take it out on someone. In other words, Chris Rock was not the problem. The joke was not the issue. It was the reaction in Jada Smith. It was that look that she gave him. Let me just say this once again. When people, in this case adults, are in a situation in which they feel threatened, 
a situation in where there is the most dysfunction within a relationship, they have a tendency to revert to the behavior of the child that they were when they were hurt the most growing up. And they'll, they'll, they'll revert to that time period. In other words, if the individual, now an adult, was hurt the most when they were 19 years of age, in whichever way they reacted back then, whether it was to go into fetal position and to hide, or it was to um, externalize their, their emotions by becoming belligerent or slapping, punching, kicking, throwing things, that's exactly what they will do. They will go back to that time period. They will react the way that they did back then, today, in their current relationship. And that's why a lot of people will complain and say, you know, every time, every time she gets upset or he gets upset, he acts like a child. You know, he, he speaks like a child. He reacts like a child. Well, that's exactly why. It's not until that individual is able to confront their reality. In other words, it's not until they're able to bring out of all that junk that's in that, in, in their past and deal with it. You know, you've heard me say this many times before, you know, psychoanalyst Carl Jung said, uh, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it your fate. You will call it your destiny. A lot of people are living with uh, trash in their subconscious mind that's dominating them. In all reality, after 35 years of age or so, people will only function on uh, their their subconscious mind. It's it's like when you are driving home from work and you've always driven the same route. And uh, on on one particular day, you are so distracted by the uh, circumstances or the vicissitudes of life that that you simply forget to even pay attention to the traffic lights. But yet you make it home. And when you're pulling up into your driveway, you're wondering how on earth did I make it all the way home without getting into an accident? I don't even remember stopping at the traffic lights. Well, that's exactly the way the subconscious mind works. And after, you know, once you get into adulthood, that's basically how you operate until, of course, you're able to, as he said, to bring the unconscious to conscious awareness. And, and that's when coaching or therapy comes into play. You need someone to ask you the right questions so that you can pull all of that stuff to conscious awareness so that you can deal with it. I believe that Will Smith has layers upon layers of trauma from his childhood that he is yet to deal with. And that evening, all the events that culminated were like pieces of a puzzle that all came together and connected. And when they did, it triggered something within him. In psychology, we call it a hypothalamic pituitary adrenal reaction, an HPA reaction, which is also known as, you know, fight, flight, or freeze response. The HPA axis is the one that controls the, the part of the body that, that regulates stress. And so depending on the level of the stressor, it will secrete chemicals into the bloodstream like cortisol, adrenaline. And so imagine yourself walking down a trail in a forest and all of a sudden you hear noise coming from behind a, the trees or behind the brush and you see that there's a bear about 100 feet away from you. And so you immediately have the same reaction. And so your body will secrete adrenaline into your bloodstream at, uh, at a fraction of a second, causing you to develop tunnel vision. Uh, you'll break out in a cold sweat. Your muscles will tighten up. You'll have this increased strength that is either going to cause you to go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Now, no, uh, Will Smith was not being confronted or chased by a bear. Nonetheless, he went through the exact same process. 
his body secreted that cortisol, that adrenaline into his bloodstream. And what happened? He had tunnel vision. His muscles tightened up. He broke out into a cold sweat. He couldn't see anything other than Chris Rock. And his emotions took over. His instinct took over. He didn't freeze. He didn't fly. He fought. Remember, fight, flight, or freeze mode? He went into fight mode, and there was no turning back. And it wasn't until he sat down. It probably took him, in all reality, according to research, it probably took him about seven hours to recalibrate and to realize what had just happened because that cortisol rush It just takes over. It dominates. And it's necessary at times when we are being chased by a bear. We need to be able to run or to be able to fight back. Or when you are in a parking lot and somebody is trying to, uh, somebody puts a gun to you and is trying to take your, your things away, you know, steal your purse, and you go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. The worst one of all is freeze because you don't do anything. Well, that's not what Will Smith did. He went straight in into fight mode. And that's when the slap came into play. The following evening, a radio host by the name of Leonard McKelvey, he said, I don't know what the why is, but for Will to react like that, there's something deeper going on inside of him that we don't know about. (laughs) Boy, wasn't he right about that. A couple of years ago, Jada invited Will to be on her Facebook show, Red Table Talk, only to admit to him that she had had a, an affair. She had been entangled, as, as she put it, uh, with a 27-year-old while she was about 48. It was uh, a friend of her son, and uh, he was a rapper, and he was struggling with uh, his health and mental health, and she was trying to quote-unquote, help him. And so this was a bombshell tell-all interview. It was terrible. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't explain it to you. I can't do it justice. I would love to be able to explain it to you to paint a picture in your mind of what it looked like. But uh, as you watch him, if you, if you can go and, and look up the video, if you're interested in seeing his reaction, uh, if you look at Will Smith as he's receiving the news, you can tell how hurt and how betrayed he feels, but he's minimized. He minimizes himself. He almost, in a way, goes into fetal position and uh, becomes a child. And, and, and you can tell by his micro expressions, his facial gestures, and his body language, how hurt and how broken he is feeling at that at that point. And so I'm going to share the uh, the audio with you so that you can get a an overall idea of what this confession was, what this was about, and what his reaction was to it. As promised, Jada Pinkett Smith brought herself to the red table, and surprisingly, her husband Will Smith joined her. They talked about pain, healing, and yes, Jada's entanglement with August Alsina. It's a situation that I consider private. You and I were going through a very difficult time. Yeah. And we decided... I was done with your you, ass. Yeah, you kicked me to I the curb. I was curve. done with you. Yeah. <laughs> we Marriages have that, though. Yeah, Marriages have that. Yeah, we basically... Mm-hmm. We broke up. And then what did you do, Jada? Well, you know, I think from there, you know, as time went on, I got into a different kind of entanglement mm-hmm. with August. An entanglement? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. A relationship. Yes, it was a relationship. Absolutely. The only person that could give permission in 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 that particular uh, uh, yeah. circumstance is myself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But what August was probably trying to communicate, mm -hmm. because I could actually see how he would perceive it as permission, because we were separated amicably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think he also wanted to make it clear that he's not a homewrecker. I just wanted to feel good. Mm -hmm. It had been so long mm -hmm. since I felt good. Yeah. And it was really a joy to just help heal somebody. Uh, that last comment. <laughs> that last comment. It was a joy to help heal somebody. A bit hypocritical. Now, not trying to criticize Jada Pinkett Smith or Will Smith. I'm just saying this is my own personal opinion. How can you find such joy in helping someone else heal from their medical or mental health issues while at the same time damaging someone to the core? I mean, it's, it's hypocritical. Now, the reason that I'm sharing these things with you today is simply uh, in an effort to paint a picture of what's going on in his mind and in his heart. It's not in an effort to sound like TMZ. Like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want you to ever think that uh, I'm doing that for that reason. There's, there's so much that I can pull from the Bible that is so applicable to this whole situation. You know, this is a woman that, uh, you know, swore to love him uh, till death. And he did as well. Now, I'm not saying that he was completely innocent. There are issues also in his life, you know, that that are are dark. And uh, but we know that. Uh, well, I didn't know. You probably knew this, but I had to do a little research. But she had had relationships with multiple people throughout the years, and there was one very important relationship that she had, and that was with uh, Tupac. And for those of you who don't know who that was, because he's uh, he's passed away, he was a rapper. And apparently he and uh, Jada attended arts school around the same time, and that's where they met and formed a relationship. And this is what uh, Will Smith had uh, to say about that. He said that their relationship made him feel tortured on the inside, and he developed a raging jealousy because of their connection. He went on to say, he was Pac. I was me. He triggered the perception of myself, listen, as a coward. I hated that I wasn't what he was in the world. He hated it. He said that he felt like a coward because of that whole situation. In another interview, Will Smith said, no matter how successful I've become, there is that subtle and silent feeling always pulsating in the back of my mind that I am a coward. Have you found the common denominator in his, in his words and in his, in his statements? Coward. Coward is the common denominator. Let me go on to read another excerpt from one of his interviews. He says, as a child, I'd always told myself I would one day avenge my mother that when I was big enough, when I was strong enough, when I was no longer a, yes, you guessed it, a coward, I would slay him, referring to his father. Will Smith is definitely broken. His belief system is flawed. His perception of self is skewed. No matter how successful he becomes, no matter how high he reaches, as he looks at himself in the mirror, all he sees is a coward. And that's exactly what he saw. 
the night of the Oscars. A coward needing to stand up. Let, let me share something that he said uh, as he referred to, as he was talking about his father. Each of my siblings remembers that night in the bedroom with me standing there in the doorway. I watched my father punch my mother so hard that she spit up blood. That moment, probably more than any other moment in my life, has defined who I am today. Daddy-O was one of the greatest blessings of my life and also one of my greatest sources of pain. There were two issues. First, he had a brutal temper. And second, his drinking. When he was angry or drunk, he became an idiot. He would break his own rules, subvert his own objectives, destroy his own things. My mom is in many ways the total opposite of my father. Whereas Daddy-O was the boisterous, charismatic center of attention, my mom carried a quiet, reserved elegance. Each of my siblings responded differently in ways that would go on to define who we were for much of our lives. If Harry was fight, Ellen was flight, and I became a pleaser. I wanted to please and placate him because as long as Daddy-O was laughing and smiling, I believed we would be safe. My little nine-year-old brain processed Daddy-O's abusive episodes as somehow being my fault. I should have been able to keep my father satisfied. I should have been able to protect my mother. My young identity congealed in my mind, an unshakable feeling that no matter what I have done, no matter how successful I've become, no matter how much money I've made or how many number one hits I've had, how many box office records I've broken, there's that subtle and silent feeling always pulsating in the back of my mind that I'm a coward, that I've failed, that I'm sorry, my mom, so sorry. That was the only time in my life that I ever considered suicide. We never talked about it. Um, the idea that I felt like I should have done something was so, you know, foreign. You know, so she uh, uh, reassured uh, little Will that there was nothing that he could have done. Yeah, you're probably thinking the same as I am right now. Poor guy. I mean, you feel pity for the guy, having endured everything that he went through. And that's just a little portion of his life experience. You know, I'm doing a whole study right now on adverse childhood experiences and how those things affect you in adulthood. It affects your behavior and it affects your health. It's a real thing. It's it's true. It it happens. It has a direct it, a direct impact on certain areas of the brain and certain areas of your subconscious mind. And so you're probably making the same connection that I was as I was listening to him uh, redact and talk about what happened in his in his home growing up as a kid with his dad, which he called uh, Daddio. You're probably thinking, well, that person that you're describing is the person that you became the night of the Oscars. You became a violent, angry, vindictive individual. That's exactly what you became. And I hear people saying this all the time. They will say, you know, especially those coming from a childhood background that was completely full of dysfunction and, and a parent who was hateful and a really bad influence, they'll oftentimes, men will oftentimes say, I will never be like my father. 
Like I've, I've promised myself and my family that I will never become who he was. Or women will say, I will never become, you know, the person that my mother was because she was abusive. And guess what? Because they never deal with the issue at hand. They never deal with the, uh, they never bring those things to conscious awareness. They're, they're deep down on the inside of their subconscious mind and eventually a trigger, any kind of trigger, anything that hits uh, any one of the five physical senses will trigger that thought, a flashback, that emotion, uh, that feeling, and that will cause them to act out as Will Smith did. It's, it's that plain and simple. Uh, until you make the unconscious conscious, once again, I want to remind you, as Carl Jung said, until you make it conscious, you're going to deal with it, and it's going to control you. It, it, it's just that simple. You know, the Bible even goes on to say, Paul uh, tells the Romans, you know, in his, in his letter to the Romans, he says, uh, don't conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind, so that you may test and approve God's perfect, pleasing, and good will for your life. You have to be renewed the only way that you can renew yourself or transform your life is by renewing your mind. And so, how does that happen? Well, it, it, it's, it takes discipline. It takes, in the case of uh, someone who is a believer, it takes going before the Lord and asking God, search my heart, O God, and put my thoughts to the test and show me if there's any iniquity within me. You know, someone who's not a believer, it takes going to a therapist. It takes going to a coach. Someone who's going to ask you the right questions to dig deep down on the inside and pull all of that stuff out so that you don't become a Will Smith. I tell you that it took him probably, probably took him seven hours to realize what he had done. And I don't know to this day if he's really repented, you know, from his, for his actions. I don't know. You know, I don't. No, he might go on through life carrying that same hatred. Like I heard from other uh, actors that worked alongside with him, uh, you know, in different movies like Ali, you know, and the way that they described him was that he was uh, he was an aggressive individual who had the potential of being explosive. Now, Will Smith is not the oldest in his family. He is, I believe, he has three siblings, and he's the second to the oldest. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, in this case, is is a firstborn, and so. Uh, the birth order matters, and so as you as you probably heard Will Smith say, everyone in his family, you know, took a different role. You know, a sibling was was the one who would uh, fight, the other one would fly, the other one would freeze. He says he became a people pleaser, a people pleaser. Jada Pinkett Smith, because she's a firstborn and she came from a divorced home. Her parents divorced when when they, uh, I believe, she was only a few months old, and. Um, and then she had a sibling from a from another marriage, either from her mother or father. But she was a firstborn or an only child for the longest time. I mean, just keep that in mind. So she developed the alpha, the alpha brain. You know, she became almost like an alpha male in in the relationship. And so when you look at both of them together, uh, she is on the disc what I would call a D, a D type personality. She's dominant, decisive, direct. Uh, directing, you know, she's she's always calling the shots. And whereas Will Smith is more of an I, he's an influencer, he's a people pleaser, he likes the limelight, he likes to make people laugh, he likes to, uh, uh, he wants to mediate, he wants to be in the middle, he wants to make people happy. And so she's got the more dominant personality of the two. Now, if he continues to have this people pleasing personality, he has become um permissive in a way in his relationship, allowing his wife to go about and doing all these things that have uh, hindered their marriage and have created such havoc within him that he has yet to he has yet to realize or he is he has yet to accept 
that it is 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 breaking him on the inside even more so. And and just like most people who are either I personalities or S type personalities, which are steady, stable, uh, you know, cautious. Uh, these are individuals that will hold in the emotions. They won't externalize them. They won't talk about them. Why? Because they're people pleasers. They don't want to hurt anybody, anyone's feelings. And so they bottle all these things up deep down on the inside, and it becomes almost like a pressure cooker that eventually it just explodes. It goes kaboom. And everyone around, you know, is hurt by the explosion. That's just the way it works. There's a whole psychology behind what happened uh, to Will Smith, a whole psychology, a lot of things going on deep down on the inside. Now, if you look at his family, I believe he's got two kids. They are kind of on the, uh, on the <laughs> I hate to say it, but on the weird side. You know, they resemble children that come from a dysfunctional environment. And uh, I mean, and, and, and I'm not, it, they're not to blame. They are not to blame. You know, after, after he slapped Chris Rock, immediately his son uh, posted, I believe it was on his Twitter account. He says, his, his post says something like this. It's like, that's how we do things, you know. It was almost like applauding his dad, like, yay, dad, way to go. That's how we do things. Well, no, that was a display of violence. It was, it was a very cowardice display. And that's the one thing that he hated, being looked at as a coward. And that's exactly what he became that night at the Oscars. I mean, I kind of think about it. Would things have been different had Jada Pinkett Smith not been the type of wife that she had uh, become? Had she not had all the extramarital affairs? Had she not added more pressure to that pressure cooker that eventually exploded? I think that perhaps things would have been different. I think that he would have had some time to calibrate before exploding on Chris Rock. You see, it's really important to understand that despite his fame, I mean, Will Smith is a human being and he did experience abuse growing up as a kid. You know, when you witness abuse, abuse can change the brain leading to anxiety and as I mentioned earlier, post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms. Uh, the symptoms are anger and aggression, irritability, helplessness, hypervigilance, and depression. So having the knowledge of a previous conflict creates a bookmark in our mind that this situation is not safe. And that's exactly what happened to him. Now, there's also intergenerational patterns of behavior. As I mentioned, his son applauded his father. Now, that is a pattern of behavior that can be passed down. When beliefs and behaviors are passed down generationally, either genetically or through conditioning. Uh, you know, subsequently, Will developed a passive and aggressive demeanor from his upbringing that allowed him to subconsciously repeat the behavior. Remember, we become like that person unless, and that person is, of course, dad, unless we bring it to conscious awareness and deal with it. So once again, as I said earlier in this podcast, I don't believe that Chris Rock was 100% to blame for his reaction. Actually, nobody's to blame except for Will Smith. You know, I always tell people to own it, take responsibility, take ownership over your emotions. But what I'm saying is that I don't think that Chris Rock's joke was 100% of the trigger that set off those emotions within uh, Will Smith. You know, after he first laughed at the joke, 
it's possible that he experienced uh, what is called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is an uncomfortable feeling that people experience when two of the thoughts are not balanced. And so on one side, he's laughing about it. On the other side, he's having some kind of a flashback. So he had some thoughts that he needed to balance. You know, Rock had just insulted his wife and he was laughing. <laughs> laughing suggests that he's fine with the insult. Clearly, an unsettling thought. But this may have uh, changed when he saw Jada's uh, displeased reaction. Now, he may have had additional imbalanced cognitions. He might have thought, I'm laughing and Jada's upset. And in order to reduce the dissonance, he may have opted to perform a behavior in line with his being not okay with joke. In contrast to his laughter, in fact, his first reaction to laugh may have made the need for action stronger to make himself look better and not look as a coward. All in all, Will Smith's reaction is a definite response to internal trauma. Once again, when a person has experienced trauma in their childhood, the brain and body store that traumatic memory in ways such that uh, aspects of that memory can be reactivated by present-day interactions and situations. And so when this happens, the person experiencing this, let's call it reactivation, is split-second processing at a subconscious level. The current event through the lens or the filter of the past trauma. This means that the person is, for all meaningful purposes, experiencing things as if right back in the previous circumstance of trauma. As a result, the person is reacting or taking action emotionally, physically, and or verbally from that place of trauma, looking at it through that lens. This is a very important thing that you need to understand. Those past traumas can be very diverse and range from uh, things like witnessing a parent being physically or verbally abusive, uh, or you yourself experiencing physical, sexual, verbal abuse in your childhood, uh, experiencing emotional abuse or neglect, being harshly uh, reprimanded, or being told as a child or by an adult or caregiver that it's not polite or acceptable to say no when an adult tells you to do something. You know, what's interesting is that when he went up to receive his award, because as you know, he did win an Oscar. He went up there and had somewhat of an apologetic tone or an apologetic demeanor. Nonetheless, of course, he's an actor, right? And so uh, they can portray whatever persona they want to because they're experts at it. But anyways, he said something that was quite interesting uh, in, in reference or referencing what had just happened. He said, love will make you do crazy things. I, I really beg to differ. Uh, I don't think for one moment that this was an act of love. You know, one should never resort to violence, you know, in an act of love. This was an act of trauma. This was a response to trauma. This was fight, flight, or freeze mode. And of course, we know that it was completely, he went into fight mode. And so uh, you cannot ever blame this on love. Love does not justify this, this type of behavior. So for domestic abuse survivors, Smith's rhetoric was all too familiar. You see, when men act out violently, they claim it's in the name of true love. See, people who engage in bad behavior often have a vague sense that they are conducting themselves in a way that 
may not be consistent with who they are. They find a way to justify what they've done and make the decision look righteous. I think it's important for people to call it what it is and not let him sort of get out of this by saying that it was all an act of love. Because in all honesty, what does it tell other people? You know, what kind of example is that? I mean, he is a person of influence. At the end of the day, let's be honest, it takes so much more strength to exercise self-control and emotional regulation than it does to lash out and act violently and out of control. In conclusion, I, I want to say that uh, you know this episode was not uh, recorded in an effort to break Will Smith down, but to break down the event that took place so that you have a better understanding of why it happened, potentially why it happened, and to have a greater insight as to how an individual's past trauma has the potential to control their present day actions. And that nobody, regardless of their fame and fortune, nobody is exempt from any of this. Anyone who has yet to deal with past uh, you know, childhood traumas has the potential to act out as he did. Now, once again, it's a hypothalamic pituitary adrenal reaction. Some people will go into fight mode. Some people will go into runaway mode and some people will go into freeze mode. Everyone reacts differently, but everyone reacts based on the trauma. And so I hope this episode has allowed you to self-assess, self-evaluate, um, of course, we learn from other people's experiences, but we don't just leave it at that. The episode is fashioned in a way to help you uh, dive deep into your subconscious mind and and to see and figure out if there are triggers that are setting you off. And, and if they are, why? If you have been told that you at times have violent or uh, aggressive reactions to certain circumstances, you need to ask yourself why. And, and maybe you are struggling, you know, because it's affecting your relationship as a spouse or as a parent or as a coworker. Uh, things always seem to end up at the same place and you don't understand the rationale behind it. Well. It could, be, uh, it could be a sign that there's trauma in your past that you have yet to deal with. And so dealing with the trauma is a process. Now, as I said, if you're a believer, I love what King David wrote in the Psalm, you know, search my heart, O God, and put my thoughts to the test and show me if there's any iniquity within me. I would encourage you that during your time of prayer that you would go before the Lord and simply ask, Lord, discover those things in my heart, paint a picture in my mind so that I may see the time that the trauma took place and who the perpetrator was so that I may be able to process and let go of it so that it doesn't, it, it, so that it has no more power over me in the present time. I would encourage you to do that, you know, seek counsel, seek, seek therapy, seek professional help someone that will ask you the right questions so that you can discover and uncover those things that have had control over your life. I do want to say that there is hope. As soon as you are able to bring those things to conscious awareness, deal with them, go through the grieving process if necessary, forgive, 
let go, and live the life that God intended you to live. God bless you guys.